from the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you're going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. And I'm Kyle Wenzel. And we're excited to have you guys back for another week of the show. And so I just want to start out the show. And, you know, I'm sure some people want to know a little bit about what's going on in Kyle's life. And I don't know, maybe they don't. But listen, what's going on, man? Kyle, how, how, how are you doing? The, the listeners would like to know, how are you doing? What's, what's Listen, yeah. listen, if you don't want to know, you're stuck knowing anyway. So <laughs> I'm doing good. It's it's a busy, busy, busy season. We have so you guys know I'm a youth pastor. So sometimes I plan things because it sounds fun in the moment. <laughs> and then I don't realize how much I planned in the moment of sounding fun. So we've got uh summer camp coming up, which is gonna be amazing. It's gonna be really fun. We go completely nuts, just all out for it. And then right after summer camp, we have a team coming in to help us do some home missions. Mm. And then during that, we're also going to Cedar Point. And oh so my. there's a lot of finances and organization and all of that, you know. So that's busy. But on top of that, my wife is about two months out from giving birth to our third baby girl. And so mm. we are getting prepared and just getting ready. And every day that I struggle with two kids. I remind myself I have a third one coming. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday I finally got my two to chill out. I'll, we we put on a Disney movie and I was like, okay, the one fell asleep. I can wash some dishes. And I'm like, it dawned on me that in two months I'm going to have three and they're not all going to cooperate in the right timing. And so just preparing mentally, physically, emotionally for all of that and so we've got a busy summer ahead of us, but I'm excited. I'm excited for Harper Ray to introduce Ray. herself Love to the it. world. Love yes. it. Wow. Yep. I am I'm stoked. I'm I'm really actually really excited. I know yeah. third baby in, you're like, really? And I'm like, nah, yeah, third baby in. I'm I'm excited for her. Yeah. That's great, man. Well that's that's good. You know, we, we all have live lead some crazy busy lives, most of us, so Really, really happy. I think the one big thing for me is my daughter, my youngest daughter, who's 13, she just, and if you guys know, if, if anybody in the audience knows anything about ballet, they know how big this is. She just got her point shoes. So she passed her test. She's got her point shoes. So, I mean, that is like been one of her dreams. One day she does want to be a prima ballerina. And so I know this weekend she has three shows to do. And so we're really excited about that. That's like a, a highlight for us. And then we've got a vacation in August, which I, so I've been to Tennessee before, but I've, I went, I was in Knoxville and I've never been. And I know some of you, some of you people from Tennessee or from the South going to fall out your chairs when you hear this, but I've never been to Gatlinburg. And so we rented Great a cabin plan. and, and just going to spend a week there and just have some fun and all that good stuff. So. We're excited about that. You will enjoy the view and the food. I promise you. Mm, I like both I of those. I promise you, dude. I promise you. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's crazy how many people I, I see that, go, that goes on vacation to Tennessee, you know, because we're in Michigan. And so for us, you know, it's usually like, hey, go to Florida or go to California or, you know, somewhere crazy hot. But yeah, it's so many people talk about how great Tennessee is. And when I first went, it was, we were, it was in the sticks. Like, I mean, Knoxville, like, I mean, it was as far in the sticks as you can get. Like, I didn't even know if I was, I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to, you want to go ahead and segue that into the conversation? Uh, yeah. Today? yeah. 
I didn't, let's just say that I didn't know if I belonged there, you know? It was, it was out there, you know? Uh, <laughs> it was like... <laughs> you, know, you, you, you know how, like, you know how, like, they'll... Like in the in the hood, they say, or you know, they say, "Did you have did you sign permission slip to be here?" You ever <laughs> yeah. see that with like rap artists and things like that? Like, yeah, you better check with the gangsters before you come in, type of thing. Oh. You're out there, like, man, I better sign. I should have signed a permission slip before I was here. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's the way I felt for sure. And you know, the crazy thing was, we we were sitting and we we're eating, and people were eating pizza with their forks, like literally cutting, pe- like putting it in their mouth. Like pe- I was just like, what is happening? They were like, oh yeah, this is how we do it in the South. And I was like, really? Uh, my family's from the South and we don't eat pizza with forks. Uh, we, don't, we don't eat pizza with forks in no way. Uh. <laughs> okay. That ain't, that ain't, that ain't like a regional thing. That's a personal thing (laughs) (laughs) there was probably 20 people at this dinner and i would say 15 out of the 20 were eating their pizza with forks and i was just like 15 15 out of the 20 may have some personal issues yeah i'm just kidding (laughs) yeah we got we got listeners that are like really bro really i eat my pizza with a fork i'm just messing with you i'm just do your thing boo boo right do you boo (laughs) all right well, as we're talking about places that I shouldn't be, let's we're going to segue into a topic that's You're allowed in Tennessee, Kevin. Listen, I didn't say I wasn't allowed in Tennessee. I just said it was Knoxville, Tennessee, and it was way deep into the sticks. And so I can't tell you how many winding roads we went down for, like, I felt like at least an hour. Yeah. And so, but anyways, I just say that to be funny. But really, truly, we have a quite serious show today, and we're going to be talking about some things that, uh, you know, we've hit on some racial issues here and there uh, on the show, just talking about other things. You know, our our first show, we we talked about the George Floyd and, and some of those things that had happened and some unrest there in the world. But today, we just, I really want to have just an open, honest, raw discussion about critical race theory and just race in general. Critical race theory is something that has really, I mean, it has become super popular in the last two, three years. Yeah. And it's, I mean, if you look at the news right now, I mean, there are parents that are just coming out against it and schools are railing against them saying that, you know, this is what we're teaching and parents are, you know, taking their kids out of public schools and it's, it's seeping its way into the church, which we're going to also talk about that next episode. I mean, you guys will be shocked at some of the Mm -hmm. things that you're hearing. And this is in mainstream churches. You know, it's, it's, you know, our government's talking about it. So it's just everywhere. And I think you really need to understand critical race theory, what it is, and then, you know, how should we look at this from a biblical perspective? Again, our job is to help you navigate culture from a biblical perspective. And that's what we're here to do. And we can't yeah. let our own personal feelings and our own biases and all of that get in the way of that because that's just not what. That's just not what we do. And even as a black man, I don't know if you, did you know that I was black, Kyle? You know, Kevin, until the Zoom call today, I didn't, you know, I really didn't know that you were black. Okay. Just, just checking. I, I thought yeah. you looked a little surprised when I said as a black man. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. There are things that surprise me about you, Kevin, but that is not one of them. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I say that to say, you know, we, we just want to make sure that we're helping you in these areas. And so, yeah, just want to have a raw, just a raw discussion about it. Yeah. And some of you are going to probably think the same thing I thought when I was first approached by critical race theory with Kevin. I didn't, I've never heard of the phrase before, never heard of the term. But let me just explain a little bit about what it is, because I think that once we define it and kind of give you the approach that this theory takes, 
I think you will be able to pinpoint certain conversations where you had where this theory was taking place and you didn't even know it. Um, so critical race theory, what it does is it recognizes that systematic racism is a part of American society. It challenges the beliefs that allow racism to flourish. Now, we've talked about before on our show how, you know, we personally feel like racism is always going to exist because the heart of man is evil, it's sinful, it's very fleshly. And so though racism, we don't feel like is an agenda, is necessarily something that's a driving point for this nation, there are going to be people out there that honestly, they're just horrible people. They're disgusting individuals. And so we're going to experience some of these things. However, critical race theory really takes a stance that it's systematic, that it's, it's very much a large part of society today. And it's unified by two themes, white supremacy and, like we just talked, societal or structural racism. So it's, it's, it's a practice that is played out with individuals that take on this theory. We have to understand that, that it is an approach by individuals or people group to grappling with a history of white supremacy that rejects the belief that what's in the past is in the past. That's what we have to understand here. We're not talking about, with critical race theory, we're not talking about how individuals still experience racism, because they do. Racism still exists. There's individuals that still encounter it. Kevin can probably tell you recent stories of how He's felt like he's encountered it, okay? But what this is doing is saying the white supremacy, the overarching agenda of white elites and and a white supremacy in the nation in general, it's not in the past. What it's saying is that it's still very much a part of today and that the laws that we continue to create can grow and are not detached from a racial past. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it really takes the stance that racism is an everyday experience for most people of color because it benefits white elites for there not to be a change even from the past. And so we want to talk about that today. And Kevin, I know that as we talked about it, you you really wanted to kind of get your heart out a little bit and just talk as a African-American male. And that's one thing I love about our show is we have diversity. Yep. We have a cultural diversity. We have an ethnic diversity, a racial diversity. And both of us, even though I'm a white male and you're an African-American male, we also both have differing views for differing races. So my view towards an African-American race may view differently than yours, even though you're African-American. And your view towards a white race may view differently than mine, even though I come from a white non-Hispanic ethnicity. And so can you speak to that just a little bit before we dive into our issues with critical race theory? Yeah, I can. And guys, as Kyle said, like I'm just going to be honest and, and open and upfront with you and just just come from a perspective of an African-American and male living in America and and really talk about kind of how I view the world when it comes to racial issues. Um, and you know, at growing up and, and I've touched on some of these things before, but I think it's, it's really important to reiterate these things, you know, growing up, I was pretty much surrounded by white culture. Like that's, that was, that was just my upbringing. Mm -hmm. And I've always said that that was a, that was a good thing for me. I think that the balanced view that I have now on racial issues it was informed and it was bolstered by the fact that I wasn't the guy who grew up in an all-black neighborhood, went to all-black schools, went to an all-black church, and then tried to understand white people. Right. My, my life was really the, the opposite. You know, I went to all-white private schools. I lived in predominantly all-white neighborhoods. I dated mostly white women. I also pastored an all-white church. The only people at the church that I pastored that were black was me and my family. And so, mm. you know, I mean, when I look at all of those things, I feel like, and this is for years that, that I spent this way, and the experience, you know, of, of being in that culture really opened the door for me to experience all kinds of, discrim- of discrimination. 
right? I mean, if you look at, you know, all the people that I grew up around, well, there was plenty of times that I could have been discriminated against. And there were times that I was. Um, there were times that my, me and my family has been discriminated against. You know, a couple examples is when I was dating someone years ago, she, it was a white girl. And during dating her, her brother joined a skinhead group and became a skinhead. And one of the reasons why we had to break up was because he basically threatened me and said, listen, you know, if you come around my sister ever again, we're going to do something about it. And so, you know, she felt tremendous pressure because, you know, she, she, she loved me and she, you know, and everything was going okay in our relationship. But then what ended up happening, you know, she felt the pressure of her family. And I knew that her grandmother was racist. She had already told me that. And she was like, yeah, we're probably not going to spend much time at my grandma's house because she just, she doesn't agree with our relationship. But she's like, my mom's not like that. And the rest of my family is pretty good. And I kind of knew that part going in, but had no idea her brother would join this type of a group. And I would end up, you know, a victim of, you know, racism. And at that particular time, it was, it hurt me bad. Because she basically had to pick between me and her family, and she was she felt so much pressure from them. It just it, it was just one of those things. It was just like it's just we just we can't do this right now, you know. And so dealing with and living through that experience, we've also had issues in restaurants. Um, I, I will never forget, and I, I'm not going to name the cities because I'm not here to to. But it, these are both cities. If you live in Michigan, that you would be very familiar with. But one of the restaurants, me and my wife walked in and there was intentionally, this was not something I thought, not something that I, you know, just was like pulling the race card. We sat there for a good, yeah, I would say 45 minutes to an hour, if not more, waiting to be waited on. Not one person came through our table. There was probably, I don't know eight to 10 other people in the entire restaurant. People constantly walked past us. Not one time were we acknowledged. We were sitting right by where they cooked the food and all of that. So, you know, in the, in the registers right there. So it's not like they didn't see us, but it was this intentional, we're just going to ignore you. And hopefully you just leave. Like that was the, the vibe. We had another incident where we went to a place, actually, it's only 15, 20, about 20 minutes away from my house right now. And regular chain restaurant sat down. And again, we're not, was not waited on. Every table around us was waited on. And we'd been sitting there and we actually had the white patrons. The white patrons actually came up to us and go, I see clearly what's going on here. And they're like, we are so sorry. This is happening to you. Right. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying not to pull the race card. I'm just like, okay, well, maybe they're busy. Maybe they're shorthanded. But even the white patrons were like, this is like they are intentionally doing. And I, I do, I know that this city has a, a history of racism. You know, back in the day, black people could not live in this city. Right. But I'm thinking, you know, we're, we're far away from that. You know, so why would I think that there should be any issues? But that Saturday morning, went to go get breakfast and it took a very long time for us to get waited on because we weren't, we weren't, we just weren't welcome there. And mm. in other, in other situations that, that I've been in, I mean, I've been heckled, you know, going down streets in areas where, you know, people have, have said, what are you doing here? This, you don't belong here. You know, people yelling out their windows, racial slurs to me and my family. I mean, just, I, I it, it, the, the list goes on, right? So I say all that to help you guys to understand that I understand, and I'm not going to go through every single time that I've right. been discriminated against, but I want you to understand that I get it. Yep. And I realize that this is something that plagues humanity. This is something that I actually, me and my family actually experience. right? I've had it happen to my kid. Where, you know, my daughter was called Blackie and I mean, all kind like I can't play house with her because she's, you know, she's she's black and like 
just crazy stuff where I know there's no way kids, kids don't like kids inherently are not racist. Like they don't know color. They know that something might be different, but they don't know color as in, in racism as we're, we're talking about it today. So anytime a kid goes, well, I can't play house with her because she's black, they had to learn that somewhere. Right. And so, and so those are things that, that, that I've, I've faced. Right. And I mean, we've got, we've got kids on our block that our daughters aren't allowed to play with, not because of their skin color, because they're not black, they're white kids. Let me just make that clear. Yeah. But because of their behavior. But you want to know how my daughter knew that she couldn't play with that person? Because I told her. Right. You're not playing with so-and-so because so-and-so does this or says this, or there's just things that you just can't be a part of. It has nothing to do with race. But you're right. I mean, if a kid says something, it's because their parents said something. It's because of some things have happened. Now, I wanted Kevin to do that because we're going to take a stance today, and I know how this gets. It can get pretty personal for some people, and so we want you guys to know where we stand on this, and, and we want you to know how versed we are in this as a partnership here on this podcast, because what Kevin just explained are moments in his life where he experienced a very real and a very existent problem today. There is racism that still runs today. There are racist people that are still here today. However, critical race theory is going to push the fact that American institutions are still racist, and they're going to push that most people of color are going to everyday experience what Kevin just said he experienced that wasn't, wasn't an everyday thing. Critical race theory or CRT is going to push that people are privileged or oppressed because of their race. They actually reject the stance that racism still exists due to a few bad apples. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like we said, listen, there are going to be some people out there that are just, they're just bad people. Right. That's why racism still exists. Critical race theory is actually teaching and practicing the opposite, that it's in our laws, it's embedded in our structures, it's woven into public policy, and they're teaching this. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is literature for students at universities. This is literature for students at children's schools, elementary schools, middle schools. Now, there are states that are combating this because they understand the toxicity inside of this when we really do want to eradicate racism then we can't teach that everybody is born racist. It's just, that's not true. And we can't teach that we're, we can never become detached from racism because we're also on the show not ignoring the fact that the 50s and the 60s and, and how hard that was for people. We're not ignoring the fact that slavery was real. That's all real stuff. Yes. But we have to understand that, that humanity evolves. Mm-hmm. And with an evolving humanity, so do opportunities evolve, so, so does lifestyle evolve, so does education, so does lawmaking. And so what we want to do today is we wanted to start out, we want to lay out a foundation. Listen, on this show specifically, somebody has dealt with racism. Somebody has experienced it. There's somebody that's talking today that knows exactly what it looks like, feels like, sounds like, smells like, all of that. Contextually knows racism. But we're also going to combat the fact that there is a theory out there that's going to push an agenda that just may not be as fluid as it sounds like it is. And so we want to talk about that today. And my question is this to start off, Kevin. My question is, is critical race theory. We've heard about it. We've heard about the systemic racism that it's a part of, the structural racism that it pushes, and the approach to grappling with white supremacy still today. Is this something that has been proven? Or is it something that is perspective driven. And, and the reason I'm not asking is racism proven. Racism exists. I'm asking, is racism still a power as far as it's not just a few bad apples? Is it really still embedded in our laws? Is it embedded in our structures? Is it woven into public policy to the point to where people are still severely oppressed and privileged based on their race? And is there no interest in getting away with this because it really does benefit white elites? Is this something that we can prove or is it something that's perspective driven? And the reason I want to ask that from the start, just in case anybody listening is wondering, like anything else we cover, so it's not just race, Mm -hmm. we're not subject to race, like anything we else cover that may seem perspective driven, 
If it is perspective driven, we have to go back to the heart of humanity. Because reforming something or, or retraining something that's perspective driven isn't going to change anything. Because the heart and the root of the heart or the root of the situation isn't getting fixed in that scenario. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so that's my question. And so I think we can dive into some of these accusations by CRT and we can use statistics and things like that and, and we can really get a grasp on, okay, is this more of a selective perspective or is this really something that a race is still dealing with today? Yeah. So let me go, let, let me go back for a second, Kyle, because I, yep. I really want people to understand CRT. I really do. Yeah. I want you to yeah. understand. Yeah, it's important that they do. Yes, what what it's really what they're really saying. So let me let me let me say this: critical race theorists hold that the law and legal institutions in the United States are inherently racist. Right. Right. Okay. They're they're inherently right. racist. You know, insofar as they that is they function. Okay, so think about this. The institutions, critical race theory says the institutions in the United States, they function to create and maintain social, economic, and political inequalities between whites and non-whites, especially African-Americans. And I also want you to understand because you hear a few different terms. So you hear critical race theory, critical race theory really comes from critical theory, yeah. which critical theory has its intersection with liberation, black liberation theology, right? Yeah. And you've probably heard that before. And when that became real popular or famous was Barack Obama. When he was in office, his pastor, Jeremiah Wright, was a, he was a James Cone, you know, because James Cone was kind of like the, the, the guru of this liberation theology, black liberation theology. And, you know, and that became a controversial thing when Barack Obama was running for president because people were like, hey, you're going to be the president for all people, but yet your pastor, Dr. Jeremiah Wright, believes in this black liberation theology, which is really just against white people. It's just like hatred of white people, right? Yeah. And so you, you, you get that. And, and critical theory really comes from Marxist views, right? It's, it's, it's Marxism, right? And so, and, and we couldn't, you know, I, I don't want to go too deep into this for the sake of one time, but two, I want to make sure that, you know, if you guys want to look this stuff up, please study Marxism, study, study these things. So you understand how these things yep. all fit together, right? But it is, it, you know, as Kyle talked about, and Kyle, you had some stuff in your notes that I thought was good. You said it, it also it pushes that American institutions are racist. People are either privileged or oppressed, right, yep. because of their race. And so it's basically saying that white people is the oppressor yep. and black people are the oppressed. Now, Kyle just asked a really good question. And I think we all need to, to really look at this and say, you know, is this something that's been proven or is it something that is perspective driven? And that's a fair question. Is, has this been proven? And I think, Kyle, I think you would get both sides. I think there are going to be some people that's going to say, well, yeah, I feel like it's proven every day. Like, I feel like it's proven right. in the jail right. system. I feel like it's been proven with, you know, we talked a little bit before the show and, and, and Kyle and I really... <laughs> We, we kind of went, you know, we, we had a, a, a bit of discussion before we even got on the air about this because it is so complex and there are, we realize that there is racism. Yeah. But again, we have to get down to the bottom. What is the truth? Right. And so I do think that a lot of this is perspective driven and it's not necessarily been proven that there is just, you know, this you know, CRT basically is basically is like, you know, there's racism under every bush, around every corner, under every surface. It's inherently racist. Yeah, no, and I think that's where we want you guys to understand. This is where we're coming from because, listen, are people oppressed today because of their race? Yes, but is that the overarching theme of America? I don't think so. 
I think that depending on who is oppressing you, where geographically that oppression is, I mean, there's certain pockets of oppression. There just is. But again, that's at the human heart of things. I don't think that you can live a life saying, I'm living this way because I'm living in a society that oppresses me. Right. I just, I don't see the support for that because I see on very huge successful levels, all races, all walks of life, on all platforms. So I can't live every day to the knowledge of that and then say, yes, we live in a nation where a certain people group are oppressed. Now, you back this up to the 60s, very different story. Absolutely. Very different story. Yeah. So that's where I think we just need to draw the line and saying, no, we've evolved. We yes. have evolved and we can't stand for a reminder of what we used to be as if that's still happening today because it's just not happening today. It's just not. Yeah. CRT, it makes us go backwards, right? As if that, you know, people, you know, the police are, are just, you know, and, 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 you know, and I know we've had, and I think that's where we, we want you guys to understand. We are not saying that there isn't racism in the world. As long as there's humans, there is going to be racism. Like it's a, it's not a skin problem. It's a sin problem, right? So if we yeah. think for any, any reason that we're going to eradicate, you know, discrimination, bias, any, anything like that. I mean, think about it when you're in the schoolyard, when you're, when you're a kid, you might see a kid with red hair, right? And kids will make fun. Oh, she, they, oh, she's got red hair and freckles. Okay. They have zero idea. It's not because she's white or because of anything like that. It's just because they see something different. And so they just associate that as, well, that person is just different than me. So I'm just going to play with these people. I'm not going to play with that person. And I want to make fun of that person. Right. That is just human nature that we segregate ourselves with people that we feel like we identify with, right? So that's just natural, normal things. It's not because, and I use kids, for example, because kids, unless their parents are racist, they haven't been taught to be racist. They just know that there is something different about this or that. That's all they know, right? And as people, we just normally migrate around people that we feel like share the same experiences. That's just, that's just normal life, right? And so I think we have to be very careful, you know, and, and, and going back to some of the stuff that I was saying that I went through, I had to make a choice. After all of those things that I went through, I had to make a choice and said, either I'm going to look at the world now through those experiences broad brush society and say that those few white people who were, you know, who hurt me, who were racist and unkind, I had to look at that and say, am I going to hold all white people accountable for that? Or am I going to hold those individuals responsible for what they did to me? Right? Because right now, as I sit here and look at Kyle, Kyle has absolutely nothing to do with what happened with my grandfather or what happened with my great, great grandmother or anything like Kyle has nothing to do with that. But critical race theory would say, yes, he does just by the fact that he's white. <laughs> so just the fact that he's white means that Kyle is complicit in whatever slavery or whatever wrong things were done to my family, which is 100, absolutely 100% wrong. It, it just, Kyle has nothing to do with that. And the, 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 the amount of melanin in his skin, it doesn't make him complicit with atrocities that happened 50 years ago, 100 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And I think when we look at that biblically, it just doesn't stand. And again, guys, we can say what we want, but we have to do things based on, based on the Bible. So when I looked at those situations that I went through, I had to say, am I going to be a Christian first or am I going to be a black man first? Yeah. Because if I, if I look at the world through the eyes of being a black man and that's all I look at through, at through the lens of, oh my goodness, I'm going to, I'm literally going to be looking for race, racism at every turn. 
Well, this person, this, well, they waited on this guy and they didn't wait on me. Does that, does that, does that mean it's because I'm black? You know, well, 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 you know, I mean, it's just, you know, I got marked down for this, you know, on my test. Well, 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 I wanted to, sh- when did they mark down the white people as much as they were? I mean, come on. Like, we can't. That is just not God. We are no. supposed to think the best of people, no matter what we see at times. We, we have to hold the people responsible that should be held responsible. But everyone else, we can't bring them under that same rule and now say, well, you're complicit. Yeah. And, and I, listen, as a white male, I've, I'm just going to be honest. I've experienced the flip side of that where I've said things to at my previous job, majority of our drivers, they were African-American. Mm-hmm. And so I would say jokes or say things, not even racial, like not even like crossing the line. You know how like you can kind of push the line a little bit, not even that. Like, in my mind, it was nothing. And then for like half a day, people wouldn't talk to me. I'd be, and I noticed, I'd be like, is someone, is, is someone so mad at me? And they would, well, you said this. And they were thinking maybe that was a little racial driven. And I'm like, here I am going, dude, there's not a racist bone in this body. And that conversation shouldn't have even taken that. This is where the conversation was going. How could you even get that? And that's because there is that thought everything's viewed through the lens of that's a white man talking to me it's got to be about my race and i remember having a meeting with the guys and i was fuming because i loved them mm-hmm. and I, I they knew that and they knew who i was and so i literally my care for them came out and i was like you have to stop viewing things this way otherwise i'm just going to watch what i say all together and i don't want that either and it reminds me of the Coke product that came out is like, be, be less white, mm. right? Remember that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I'm not going to stop being who I... So, so let me get this straight. CRT's tired of racism, but they're attacking a race so that their race can feel better about themselves. Right. We have to understand, it's just like whenever Kevin or I say something, whenever my pastor says something, whenever my teacher says something, I have to digest that and say, is this healthy? Is this right? Is this correct? Just because it feels good, because that's the kind of, yeah, that feels good with me. I've, I've, I've been on the other side of racism and yeah, that's right. They need to be less. Is that really true? Because would you like someone telling you that you should be less black? Right. That, that, can't, that, right. that would be horrible. Right. That right. would be that would start riots. Yes. Yes. But then we're going to support the degradation of another race. And so that's why I just again, I don't we take into account everything that we say because we know one it's recorded. It's going to be on air and we're going to have to deal with what we say. So I'm not just giving you my off the cuff thought on this. I'm telling you when I can sit back and go, "Listen, for 8 years we had a black president." Listen, we have a black vice president now yes. who really, they address her as President Kamala. So, and in most senses, it seems like she's more running things than anybody else is right now. We're looking at continual uprisings of stars, movie stars, athletes, business owners. I mean, black businesses that are thriving, that aren't just supported by black individuals. They're supported. If they're thriving, they're supported by society in general, right? And so what I'm trying to say is, is that I just, I really feel like we have an agenda to attack a certain race now, but we're, we're painting it as, well, we've been oppressed and now we're stepping up. No, that was, that was true in the 60s and, and that's, that's been detached. Mm-hmm. And I just want to make sure that, that you guys know that's where we're going. And so we got in a topic, that we got in a discussion, Kevin, off, off air, and I want to bring it on air. And we were talking about systemic racism and how, honestly, if we looked on both sides, we could find an answer. We could, we could find examples on both sides of, yeah, when you look at law enforcement, there is still racism, you know, very far. And then you, you can look at the other side and say, no, I don't necessarily think that's the case. When you look at the education system, when you look at the family system, we can, we can go both ways with that. And that's why I asked the question, because I feel like perspective-driven opinions are going to go both ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like statistics and factual opinions, they're going to lean more one way than the other way will ever lean. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, where, when we see the systemic racism argument, again, I don't, 
I don't want you coming off as he's just having his white opinion. That's not the case at all. I have white family members that experience the same systemic oppression that we would label systemic racism, right? Mm-hmm. That a black individual would experience. They're white and they experience the very, the entire side, the half side of my family experiences it. So can I really say that that's racism or can I say that that's, that's more perspective than anything else too? So, and I know we got on some of that earlier before the show. Yeah. I, and I guess we have to ask ourselves, is the melanin in your skin, is that, does that mean more? So if, if Kyle and Kyle, he talked to me a, a little bit more in depth about his experience with the family members who experienced poverty and experienced some of the things, the same disadvantages that somebody like myself would say African-Americans experience. Now, if we both experience the same thing, because I'll tell you right now, if somebody from CRT hears, hears that, they're going to say, well, but he couldn't have experienced it because he's not a black person. So he doesn't know what that feels like for a black person to experience that. Here's the thing. Does the melanin in your skin make you experience? You're, we're all human. Does it yeah. make you experience anything any worse than what a white person would experience? Because I will tell you, that doesn't even make logical sense because we're, you're both human. And so if, if, if Kyle is saying he has family members that have been oppressed by, you know, whether it's, you know, poverty or, or you're not being able to get a leg up type of deal, you know, and I know what the, the, the normal thinking would say, well, but he's in a white family, so he should be able to have somebody that can help him. And, you know, black people don't have people in their families like that. But I could also say that not every black family is like that. Not every black family is struggling to the point where, you know, they can't give somebody or help another family member, right? Now, I, I here, here's what I don't want you to hear from this conversation. I am not saying, and neither is Kyle, that there aren't, there aren't systems that need reformed. Right, like that's there, not what we're saying. We, we were talking, but before we got on air, I was talking about um, and now if you guys have watched this, but I was, we were watch, I watched recently the Khalif Browder story on Netflix and it's a horrible, just a horrible, just absolutely awful. This young kid ended up committing suicide and it was after he stole a backpack and he really actually didn't steal the backpack. It was just somebody ID'd him and said, Hey, I think that's the guy. Well, yep. he needed to post bail. He couldn't afford to post bail. So what happened? He ended up on Rikers Island for three years, and the majority of the time that he was on Rikers Island, he was in solitary confinement. And on top of that, the guards themselves were beating him. They were also allowing inmates to beat him. And the kid was literally losing his mind, and I mean seriously, mentally, because he was in solitary confinement for all of that time over a backpack that the kid didn't even steal. But you know why he was in there for three years? Because he couldn't pay his bail, right? Right. So what ends up happening is a lot of people from the Bronx, especially African-Americans, or it could be white poor people in the Bronx, if they don't have the money, guess what's going to happen? They're stuck in jail. Everybody with the money or have family members that have the money, they're not stuck in jail. They're out, right? Now, you can look at that, ask yourself, is it a race thing or is it a class thing, right? Is it the fact that they don't have opportunity, right? That their family is just, is, is, it, a, is, it, a, is it because they're poor, right? Because just because you're poor, just because you're black doesn't mean you're poor. Well, or, or is it a justice system thing? I mean, it is a ju- it's a justice y- system y- y- thing. You know what I'm saying? Like the fact that somebody can't pay bail for something like a backpack and they spend three years in there, to me, that, that isn't even a class, a race. That's justice system. Yeah. Like put the man on a dang payment plan and give him probation. Yes. Like there's just other ways around that. You think about the story of white boy Rick. Yeah, I mean, almost 30 years in prison, and now we got Kwame Kilpatrick, who actually stole from people. Who And, and listen, I believe, listen, I got my own stance on Kwame. I don't think he should have spent a no. life in prison either. Don't no, get me wrong. No, no. But what I'm saying is, is there was, if you really think that there's an oppression on black people, 
Kwame was dealt with a lot sooner than a 17-year-old, 16-year-old boy yes. that was working with the feds, that was helping the feds. Yes. And here's that white boy being oppressed for 30 years. He got his life taken away. You know what I'm saying? So, again, there's just there's there's examples of things that, guys, we don't have to say that's racism. What we can say is that's a justice issue. That is an issue that needs reformed, not because of racism. It needs to be reformed because there is just a horrible, horrible system taken in place. And so, yeah, I, I spoke to Kevin a little bit before the show, and I just talked about a couple experiences, but... My my dad's side of the family, and I'll just be honest, I'll be blunt, there's there's nothing there's nothing to hide there. They grew up in poverty for the most part. And and my dad still is, or still still was from the last time I talked to him. And he raised one of my brothers in it. And there there were times, guys, where he just felt like the system was against him. Whether he'd be in the hospital, not being able to receive certain treatments that he had to receive, there was what you would say a stereotype about him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because he was white or because he was black, okay? But there was that stereotype that was about him. And so when I hear systemic racism, I, I need you guys to understand that I've also grown up in that system where it, it did feel like from going and living with my mom to going and living with my dad, I experienced way two different <laughs> approaches to life. Mm-hmm. And I will say this. Is that when I say we've evolved as a society, what I mean by that is majority of the percentage of my dad's life was out of choice. Majority of the percentage of life in general is going to be out of choice at this point. There's too much technology. There's too many avenues. When you talk about the education system, there are too many open enrollments for people outside of the community at this point. There are too many grants. There are too many scholarships. There are too many specific scholarships for us to say that we are being oppressed, whether we are white, black, Asian, Hispanic. There is just way too much help out there. What it requires is motivation and what it requires is determination. Now, I will say this. There's a side that I do agree on because if you don't know, you don't know. And there is that side of things where people just don't know and they don't have the help to know. So again, there, I'm, not, I'm not invalidating the fact that there are people that they feel oppressed, they are living in that. What we're saying is, is for the general public and for society in general, CRT is pushing something that is just not a valid thing. Yeah. And, I, yeah, and CRT is, it, it's unfair because the end of what CRT, what's going to, if, if CRT gets its way, then mm. what happens is it takes this idea that white people are oppressing black people and other minorities mm. and it flips it and says, now black is king, Beyonce. It, yeah. it says black is king, and now you must bow to us because we've been oppressed for so long. I mean, what? there's nothing in CRT that makes me think like I would if I was reading something from Martin Luther King. I don't see anything about unity. I see everything about white guilt. Yeah. You better you you better apologize to me for something that happened a hundred years ago that you have no connection to, other than the fact that this person was your great 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 grandmother or grandfather, right? You know, that's what I see. I don't see, and remember, I want to bring this up again. We are talking about Christians, folks. We are not as Christians supposed to look at uh, you know, a white person and say, you know what, because of because of what your great, 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 great grandfather did, you owe me something. Like, where is that in scripture? Like, how, the Bible talks so much. The Bible says, love your enemies, do good to those that despitefully use you. you that doesn't stop when it's somebody that's being racist. Now, I'm not saying you invite them over for dinner and subject them to your kids. What I am telling you is, you have to understand that you don't now carry on that bitterness or that that burden that you feel like you carry and now put that on every other white person that you see. Right. And, and I like that you brought, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was go just going to say, I was just going to say in CRT, there is no unity in CRT. None. Right. <laughs> it's right. you oppressed me. You yep. owe me. 
And and there is no self-responsibility, right? There is no, you need to look within yourself. Maybe the person that you're talking to is just not racist. But CRT, what they teach is everything. All institutions, all white people, all things are inherently racist. So that's the premise from which you're going to build your life is that all the institutions are racist. You need to combat that everywhere you see it. Wrong idea, 100% against the Bible, will never bring people in unity, will never cause you to have a Christ-like attitude. <laughs> like, forget that. Forget love is patient, love is kind, love is, you know, d- doesn't, doesn't, seek, doesn't seek its own, right? It's not, not boastful, it's not proud, it's not, you know, like, long-suffering, like, None of that. Forget. Just throw that out. Because if you are in, if you feel like CRT is the right way to go and that's how you're going to build your life, forget about the Bible because the two right. can never be married. Right. Well, and, and I like that you brought up the flip side. And I, I think you explained that so well just now. I, that is a great way to calm down the conversation of this and bring it back into perspective because, you know, the flip side of it is, if if we are going to promote anything that's agenda or that's race driven i would say that's a form of racism yes in my opinion because what you're going to do is in a natural sense you're going to oppress any other race yes because now you are exalting that race above all other races when in the reality, the goal really is is to just get rid of the term race in general and realize that we are a humanity. That's right. And inst- so, so I guess what I, I would say this, and I'll be bold in saying this, and listen, you can comment on our show and, and I will take it to the chin. But if, if you're somebody that's experienced racism and you're going to use racism to feel better, then you haven't learned. And yeah. that's not going to evolve humanity in a healthy way and so i don't know you can be mad at me for saying that but i would say the same advice to myself and i have before when i've moved out of anger and i moved out of revenge is i just became the same thing i was mad about and i don't feel any better about it and now the situation isn't fixed because of it and so kevin and i we we share the same heart we would love to see racism just eradicated absolutely we would love to hear (laughs) that the the conversation about systemic racism isn't even a thing anymore we'd love to hear that but the problem is, is that there's pockets in America and there are individuals in America that just won't allow that to happen because it's very real. We just cannot have an agenda and a curriculum that's going to give it the heartbeat that it just doesn't have. Let me cover a couple of things. One, let's talk about systematic racism for a second, okay? And I want to talk to my African-American listeners. And I mean this, guys. Guys, come on. You, you got to... You, you, we must be open, honest, and we can't look at things again. If you look at anything through a racial lens that is not of God, yeah. no one should be looking at something based on the color of their skin. That is racist in and of itself, period. Yep. There, there's, there's no way around that, okay? But I want you to look at something. When you look at some, something like Planned Parenthood, you just want to talk about systemic raci- racism. Margaret Sanger, who is the founder of Planned Parenthood, she spoke at KKK rallies. She called blacks all kinds of things, reckless breeders. They, she called them weeds. She called them a scourge of society. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Blacks make up 13% of the population. Six and a half percent of that 13% are women. of those women are childbearing age, okay? For the 3.2% woman demographic, I cannot say this, I, you know, Planned Parenthood, okay? So for for a 3.2% woman demographic, Planned Parenthood places 80 to 90% of all of their abortion clinics in black neighborhoods. The result, and then this results in 40% of all abortions are black babies. That is systemic. That 
is almost, it's literally genocide, right? Like it, you can't tell me that Margaret Sanger, who that's what she, her thing was to exterminate the black race. That's what she wanted to do. And guess what's happening? She's dead and gone, long gone. And her legacy of exterminating the black race lives on. And how does it live on? It lives on through you. You're the one that's aborting your babies. You're the one that's allowing, and you talk about systems that's been set up. Sweetheart, that's a system that's been set up to exterminate our race as African-Americans. And you have fell for it hook, line, and sinker. But no. yet we want to blame the schools. We want to blame the government. We want to blame all of these other entities. But yet we allow these abortion clinics to be an 80 to 90 percent of all of the black neighborhoods. We don't go out there and pick it. We don't go out there and, and, and do anything with signs. We don't we, you, we don't we don't vote for people who would be against abortion. You know, the majority of African-Americans vote for people and politicians who actually support abortion. There's you're supporting the very thing that you're saying. You're supporting the very system that you're saying is oppressing us. It makes zero sense. And I will always stand up for life. And if you are a African-American and you vote or you are good with abortion, you are complicit. You are complicit in the, 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 the pillaging of African-Americans, right? So don't look at the white guy. And say, well, the white guys is destroying us. You know what? Some of them are. But you, we need to look at ourselves as an African-American community and say, you know what? We're, we're complicit in some of this, right? What about the crime in our major cities, right? What about the crime in Detroit, right? Which we're in Michigan and Detroit is, you know, 30 minutes or so away from us, right? What about all the crime, the black on black crime that we have in our cities? What about the, all the black on black crime that are in, that's in Chicago and Kansas City and some of these other these other huge cities? What are we doing about that? The white guy is not killing you. You're killing more of each other than the white guy is. There is more black men that have been killed by other black men than any white police officer in the last 10 years. We must be intellectually honest. We must be, we, we have to be careful because we're looking at this from a Christian perspective. We can't talk out of both corners of our mouth. We can't say yes to abortion and then no to, to other things that we deem as racist. And I say that with every bit of love that I can for the African-American community. Because newsflash, guys, I'm African-American. I don't like to see it. I don't want to see us killing each other, whether it be through abortion or through homicide, right? But I also don't want to see the white, the white police officers doing it or the, the whoever, right? I don't want to see it at all. But the only way we do that is that we all come together in unity. And I want, I want to say this, and I, I know we'll close this up a little bit, but let me, let me say this. And these are some of the the things that happen in society that sometimes we don't talk about. But if you vote for somebody based on the color of their skin on either side, that is racist. You should never vote for a president or a congressman or anybody else based on the fact that that person's black or that person's white. That is not like, that is not something that God would, would, would approve of. Right. And again, I'm, I'm supposed to be talking to Christians here, right? If you are a white person and I walk by your car and because I have more melanin in my skin, you lock your door, you hurry up and lock your door because you just have this fear that just because I'm black, I'm there to rob you or I'm going to come by and try to get in your car. That's a hard issue. You, you got to deal with that, right? And in society, they call those microaggressions, right? If I come past you as a white person and you clutch your purse and you have zero reason to believe that I'm any, I've not shown any signs of being threatening to you, 
You're not in a bad neighborhood. I understand if you're in a bad neighborhood, everybody should lock their doors. Black, green, orange, red, whoever you are, right? Lock your doors. Hide your wife, hide your kids, right? I get it. <laughs> okay. But if but but again, these are things, you know, if you are, I, I work in the human resources space, right? There is a lot of opportunity in human resources space to be racist. Because every time I see somebody that's a black person, I don't have to hire them. I, no, one, no one would know. No one would know. Because I'll just pass that resume right on. Next person, right? If you're doing that, that's racist, <laughs> yeah. right? If you're not hiring people based on their first names, right? Because it's, it, it's, it sounds like a black name. So you're just like, oh, I don't know, you know, and that's happened. You've done that. That's racist, right? But I would say the same thing on the other side. If it's, if it's a black person and you are, you are intentionally trying to fill your company as a human resources with a bunch of black people and you're not even considering white people because your goal is to make sure that black is king, that is racist. Again, folks, we have to, we have to look at the facts and we have to be intellectually honest and we have to be accountable to God. There is not a racist person that is not going to give an account to God. And CRT, I'm sorry to tell you this and everybody who supports this, you will not end racism. It will never happen. And you don't have to think that you have to institute something like CRT for this to, for this, for, for you to get justice. Because at the end of the day, every racist person, black, white, orange, or green, they're going to have to stand before God for every racist thing that they said, they've done, they thought, any deed or action that they've committed because of a racist bent. Every single one of them. Listen, the Bible says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. It is not us who needs to do that. It is God who does that. We need to be working towards unity, not punishment. Now, if somebody does something like Eric Chauvin did, in a line of duty and rest his knee on, on, on some, guy, some black guy's neck for nine minutes, we have a justice system to take care of that. But in your everyday life, you have to check your own heart and ask yourself. And that justice system did take care of right, that. Right, exactly. So the argument for CRT would be that they wouldn't take care of that, that he would have been let off and he would have, or you know, some lesser crime. He's gone for life. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And this has crept into the church, and we're going to talk about that. You'd be shocked. I mean, I'm telling you, I think you yeah. guys, when you hear what we'll read to you, I think you are going to be absolutely shocked is what's being taught in churches. And these are white, evangelical, mainstream churches. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. And so, again, folks, we want unity. That's what we want. At the end of the day, my desire and Kyle's desire is that we, we, we have unity in Christ. We have unity yep. on this, you know, in the scriptures and, and, and biblically, right? And the only way we can have true unity, if, if me and Kyle, even on this podcast, if I did everything on this podcast from a black man's point of view and Kyle did everything from a white man's point of view, we couldn't do this podcast. Because we wouldn't be able to come to unity, right? Because we're blinded by our own biases. I can't be blinded by the color of my skin. I have to look at the world the way God sees the world. And that's, and that's, that's what we're supposed to do. So remember, at the core, racism is not a, uh, it's not a skin problem. It's a sin problem. And instead of making judgments on people on both sides, right? Say there's one, one side of the street is white, one side of the street is black. Instead of looking across the street at each other and, and making these, these, these suppositions of what we think, these, you know, of what we think is going on on the other side, why don't you walk, a, walk across the street and, and get to know the other person, right? And that's a huge thing. One of the biggest reasons why I feel like we're still dealing with racism is because of education. People just don't, it's, they would never dream of just sitting down and having a discussion with the person of the opposite 
race, right? You know, and again, you know, critical race theory, it exhausts, or it, excuse me, it, it exalts racial identity over our true identity, which is Christ. That, that's, you know, so if, if, if this is being taught in your kid's school, you get wind of it, I'm telling you right now, I would be going to the school board because they're teaching your kids. If you're white, they're teaching your kids that, listen, you are inherently racist and you, you need to, and you need to, you need to fix that. These kids are five, six years old. They don't even know. They don't even understand. What are you talking about? Right? And so as Christians, we have a responsibility there. So I know this is a tough topic. I know it's a deep topic. And I know, you know, we, we, we get passionate about these things. But guess what, guys? I've, I, I have to answer to God. <laughs> right? Like, I, for everything that I say, everything that I do, everything. Just, and remember, even if you get mad at me on this podcast, remember, I have to answer to God for every single solitary thing that I say on this podcast. Everything. So I'm very careful before I come on to one, research well, we both do, research well, and ask God to, to, to give me the grace to say the things that needs to be said, whether it's popular or not. So we love you guys. And uh, Kyle, if you could tell them where to find us, we'll... Yeah. Especially if you disagree. Yeah. They <laughs> really want to comment. find us now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Thinking Out Loud Podcast. On Instagram, it's Thinking Underscore Out Loud Podcast. We also have thinkingoutloudmedia.com, which is our website. And listen, anytime you can comment on any of our shows, you can let us know what you're thinking. Just understand that, you know, we flush things out because this is how we feel. So it won't always necessarily be a debate. But we'd love to know your take on it. And again, we want to be as professional as possible. So we take agreements as much as we take criticism. So listen, it's not easy to talk about the things we talk about, but we love people enough to talk about them. So you can find us on all those platforms. And I appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, absolutely. So we truly do love you guys. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys next week. Next week.